Well, we, we've been talking about discipleship and, and, uh, for a couple months now, and we're going to continue to talk about discipleship. And the reason is, is because this is, as, as a pastor, and, and uh, you look over the, the church around the world, not just in the U.S., but around the world, discipleship and, and needing good discipleship is the urgent need of the church today. Uh, we, we have been good over years, throughout the years, of helping people to make decisions for Jesus, to have uh, wonderful uh, meetings and, and opportunities for people to raise their hand and say, yes to Jesus Christ. Yes, I want to know Jesus Christ. And that's important. It's important that that decision is made. And if you've never made that decision to know Jesus Christ, you're going to have an opportunity today to be able to say yes to Jesus Christ, because we believe that salvation is part God, it begins with God reaching to us, but it also begins with us saying yes to what God offers to us. And so that's an important step. However, and here's the, here's the big challenge for us, is that we haven't been as good within the church and church leaders like myself, we haven't been as good at discipleship, which is after we raise our hand, what next? Do I just go back to living life the way I did before I met Christ? Or how, do, how does knowing Jesus Christ live out day to day? How does it express itself in my daily experience? And so that's that part of discipleship or following after Jesus. And so we're taking extended time throughout this 2019, the end of 2019 and going into 2020 to look at what does a disciple look like? What are part of the elements or what are the things that help us to follow after Jesus? And it's really this idea that if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to live for Christ, we have to do the things that Jesus did. That's really what a disciple is. It's somebody who says the things that Jesus said and does the things that Jesus did. Because we look at him and we say he is our, not just a model or a good example, he's our savior. He is the one in whom we're modeling or exampling our life after. We believe he lived the perfect life. And so we say, in our own person and the way that God uniquely created us, what does it look like or what would it look like if Jesus was living out my life? What things would he say to others? What, uh, what would be his mindset about the things that you and I experience, the decisions that we make? What would it be like to live our life like Jesus? And the reason this is important is because we recognize that if we, if we want our life to look like Jesus' life as we, as we go along, we have to sow into it the same things that Jesus sowed into his life. Because our, our life produces what we've sown into it. And I, I put this up every Sunday for us to be reminded. Our life produces whatever it is that we've sown into it. You, you can't live a life. I can't live a life that meets my needs and lives life the, the way that pleases me and to give no regard to what matters to God. And then expect out of my life to come a life that looks like Jesus, because that's not how Jesus lived. Jesus lived by sowing into his life time with the Father, time in the Word, and then being full of the Holy Spirit, and then living out of that. He only did the things that the Father directed him to do. And so that's a, of course, that's a high bar. And we're not looking around saying, okay, everybody has to, you know, live that perfectly, and, and if you're not, you're an you're a utter failure in your discipleship with Christ. No, we're not saying that. We're saying this, this is a process. This is a following after, a discipling process. Uh, 
We look at the disciples in the New Testament, the same thing. We look at them. How many times Jesus had some wonderful things that he said to his disciples. One of my favorites is he, he teaches them a lesson, and uh, he, he's often spoken parables to the crowds, and then he would, behind the scenes, he would explain the parable to his disciples. And I love at one moment, he gives this teaching, you know, to the crowd, and, and then the disciples come back, and they don't, they, don't get it e- uh, uh, they don't get it either, and so he's trying to explain it to them. And at one point, he says, are you being willfully ignorant? <laughs> it just makes me chuckle, because I just feel sometimes God's asking me that same question sometimes. Like, are you intentionally trying to not hear me, or are, are, are you just not getting it? And, and so his disciples, Jesus' disciples, didn't get it right away at face value. Sometimes it took them a little time. But, but here's the thing. God is patient and compassionate and long-suffering. And he's willing to walk through us as we get it. The goal is perfection. In fact, that was the goal that Jesus set before his own disciples. Be perfect. Be being made perfect, even as I am perfect. Right? So those bumper stickers that say Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, true, but not the whole story. Because we're being made perfect in Christ. We're made perfect because of what he's done, but we're also becoming perfect as we're discipling and being changed more into his likeness. And so uh, we, we don't say, well, I'm forgiven, so perfection isn't anything that I work to attain. No, perfection in Christ is what I look to and I say, He's going to work with me to help me get there. And when I see him face to face in heaven, then I'll arrive. But in the meantime, I'm moving towards towards that, reflecting the image of Christ in my life. Well, as we look this morning uh, about growing deeper, uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1. And we've been spending some time looking at this idea that we find rest in God important. That's part of our discipleship is understanding that we find our rest in God. And why is it that we rest and how do we rest? And so we're going to look at that uh, again today in the context of how does your day start? What constitutes a day for you? And we'll get there in just a moment, but let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that it comes alive to us. Every time we open it, Holy Spirit, you are ready and desiring to speak to us. And so as we open the word this morning, we thank you that it is valuable to us, that it is able to speak to us, bring correction, bring encouragement, uh, to bring insight, uh, to, to, Lord, instruct us in next steps, uh, Lord, to draw us closer to you and help us understand who you are, and also help us understand ourselves more. And so, Father, we invite your word Uh, to have its way within us. Holy Spirit, as you work it into the deep parts of our hearts and our minds so that it can actually have feet as well and live out in our lives. We thank you for your word. We bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. So out of Genesis 1, I'm going to do just kind of a rough summary of the days of creation and then I want to go deeper into another passage, Romans chapter 5, in, in just a moment. But uh, Genesis 1 is the creation account, and I've spent a couple messages around the creation account, and the reason being is that the creation, the, the, the writing about creation gives us an understanding of God's, uh, 
God's understanding, God's rhythms of how life is to happen, how life unfolds for us. And so creation story isn't just uh, intended to be. In fact, it's not very good at being a scientific book because it wasn't written with the intent of breaking down the science of creation. It was written with the idea of origins and who is Lord over creation and also the rhythm of how creation unfolded and understand our, put our eyes towards heaven and God's role in our lives. And so as I read through the days, I'm not going to go verse by verse. I'm just going to do more of a uh, more of kind of an overview of, of what's written there. And I encourage you to go back and read it through on your own a little bit later. Genesis 1, uh, day 1, verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light and there was evening and there was morning the first day. See, I'm, I'm really condensing. I'm giving you the Cliff's Notes condensed version. There's more there. Day two, God said, let there, uh, uh, let there be light and God in the expanse in the heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Uh, verse 12, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, trees bearing fruit, which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God said, saw that it was good. And there was evening, there was morning the third day. Day four, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night. Let them be signs for the seasons and days for the years. And let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And there was evening, there was morning the fourth day. Day five, God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above uh, above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seeds, seas, Uh, and and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. Two more. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds on day six, livestock, creeping things, beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens over the livestock and over all the earth and every other creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And it was so. And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. And then day seven, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work he had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I went quickly through there, but I included a line that is consistent through each of the days. Most of the days, most all but one. There was evening and there was morning. And then it lists the day. There was evening, there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the second day. And and so on it goes through. There's a really great rhythm as reading through it. We don't quite get it the same as from the, the Hebrew language as they would uh, go through it. But, it. but still, you get the idea. It has just kind of this movement to it, what God creates. And then it, the, the day is uh, wrapped up with this statement, the evening, the morning, and then the, the day is finished off. I, I want to highlight something that, you know, we, we may think of our time uh, in terms of a little bit reverse from what we just read there. When we're reading this passage about uh, how creation happens, 
It's slight, but do you notice that it says evening and then morning and then a day? That's not how I typically think of my days. In fact, usually we think of a day as the morning begins when I wake up. My morning starts uh, typically seven-ish, six-ish if I have to. Some of you are saying, I've already had three cups of coffee and I'm down the road. And others of you have said, I'm in great sleep mode right there. You know, 7 a.m., we got another couple hours to go. But I still think of the time when I wake up to when I go to bed as the day. That's the day, really, from 7 to 8, 7 to 9. That's the day, right? That's how I perceive my day. I think that's true of of most of us. Uh, We think it's from the time we rise to the time we go to bed. That's one day. And the reason we view it through this lens is because those are the hours of productivity, those are the days when we can, those are the times in which we can accomplish something, right? That makes it a day, is that I can schedule those hours. I can put something in that time frame, and therefore that constitutes my day. When I think about what's going to happen for the day, it's what are my usable hours and what am I slotting within those hours, what's going to happen before I lay down to rest uh, for the nighttime. So, in contrast, if you look at the days of creation, They're brought to us through a different type of lens. It says there was evening and there was morning the first day, evening, morning, day two, evening, morning, day three, etc. It's really a shift from thinking about the day begins with my activity. The day begins when I start things and that's how the day gets going. And in contrast, if we think about it, evening and then morning, the day begins with God's work. The day begins with what God is doing when I'm actually finishing out what I perceive to be my day. Now, from a biblical mindset, it's interesting that our day begins with rest. Our day doesn't begin with activity. Our day actually starts with us submitting ourselves to rest and giving ourselves over to say, the day starting and I'm entering into a period of rest. This may, to some, I mean, you may hear this, and you may go, yeah, it's it, kind of semantics, right? <laughs> morning, evening, it, it, it's a day. Whether you want to count it as the nighttime or it's, it's the morning is when the day starts, it's really just kind of semantics. Or it's a different way to view it. But I want us to see that it's actually really of great importance. And I'm not trying to you know, change our calendars and move our clocks and how we see. But, but it is important for us to understand a biblical viewpoint of who starts the day. What really happens when we submit ourselves to what God has for us? You and I need to understand our place in relationship to God. Our relationship to God and time and our control of time and actually our lack of control over time and what what happens within a 24-hour period. If the day begins with God, when I go to bed, it is a declarative statement that I know that God has already started His work. If the day begins when I lay my head down and I think, no, the day's done now. No, no, no. The day's just getting started And it begins with me understanding and trusting that God is going to set the day before me. It's a different mindset from that I start the day versus God starts the day. When I 
In this mindset, I join with God in his day. I am a participant in what he has for me. It's a little bit different than my conventional idea of what, how things work. And when I wake up at 7, things really start to take off. It's a little bit different if I think, well, actually the day's been going on for the past 10 or 12 hours. <laughs> and things have already been taking place and all that I'm doing is I'm joining in to what's already been happening. This idea is that God has already set the table. <laughs> you ever experience the difference? In fact, we just had a wonderful meal last night. Wise guys and gals, we, we were there and uh, sitting around, seated around our table, uh, asked the question about any special meals. I, I said, any of you have any special Christmas dinner or meals or type of food that you like? And I love the response. One said, said I like this one because I don't have to cook it all, and I don't have to clean up the dishes after it. These are the best kinds of meals where it's, it's there. Those kinds of meals are nice. The table's set. It's all laid out before you. You are a participant. You pull your chair up, and you say, what are we having? Aren't those great meals? I mean, it's, it's fun to cook. It's fun. I know some folks really enjoy that, but there's something special about recognizing when the table is set. Do you know that God does that every day of your life? You wake up to a day and the table is set. You're pulling your chair up to a place where it's already laid out before you. It's just a question of, will you partake of it? Will you join Him in it? This is... Such an important viewpoint for me to see, for us to see that we are a guest in the day that he has laid before us. We are, we are one that he's anticipating, he's looking forward to. When I mean guest, I don't mean we're intrusion into God's day. I mean he's welcoming, welcoming each of us into what he has set before us. But this is really the way of the kingdom. This is, this is something that we should be used to if we're followers of Jesus. You and I are not initiators we are responders. This is the way that, that God has always worked with us, is that He lays it out before us and He says, I have done this, I have put this together for you, and now what will be your response to this? Will you be my guest? Will you receive what I have put before you? This is the way of the kingdom. I'm not the creator. I'm not the initiator. I am the beneficiary. You are the receiver of God's every good and perfect gift. And that includes your days. That includes that the time that you wake up, he's already gone before you and he's laid before you a day. He set the table for you to join him in. Romans 5, I, I want us to see that it's really always been this way. It's this way when it comes to the most important aspect of our life, which is our ability to have a relationship with God. Romans 5, 6 through 11. I think it's one of the most powerful verses and it, and it ties in so many different threads about the gospel and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. You can read in your Bible on your app or uh, it's up on the screen here. It says, for, for a while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now been, who have now received reconciliation. It's that same pattern, right? You and I didn't initiate salvation. You and I didn't recognize this great need that somehow we were broken and life wasn't working and God, if you could stir up some type of salvation plan for me, that would be great. It didn't happen with our initiating it. It happened with God. It happened with God seeing the need that we had for a Savior. While we were busy in our day, when you were busy in your day and and your life and just going through it, God gave you His Son, Jesus Christ. God was thinking about Jesus. God was to, to send God with us, Jesus Christ. We weren't thinking about a Savior. You weren't thinking you needed to be rescued from sin. You weren't thinking you needed to somehow figure out a way to restore yourself to God. If you were like me at all, you were just going through life and that you, you could just pick whatever you wanted out of life and it would just serve you well and whatever served you well, you would do it. And if you really enjoyed it, you would do it some more without a thought to how it would affect your relationship to God the Father, how it would even affect your life downstream. It was just in the moment uh, you wanted to receive what you wanted. But God was thinking about you. God was thinking about how he would rescue you from yourself, how he would rescue you from the circumstances that you would face in your life. Ultimately, how he would rescue you from an eternity apart from himself. He was thinking about that. And while you and I were still living in opposition to him and against him, he let his son, not only did he let him, he chose for his son to die on a cross for you and I. That's the gospel message. That's why we celebrate Christmas time. It's so closely tied to Easter because that's the very reason for which Jesus came was his life would be surrendered and given up on a cross as he grew to an adult, that he wasn't just there to serve himself. He was there to rescue you, to rescue me from the life that I didn't even know I needed rescued from. This verse says that that he came at just the right time. But, you know, Jesus didn't only arrive at the right time of human history. He arrived at the right time in your story. At just the right moment, at just the right time, Yeah, I mean, it speaks to Israel's history. It speaks to the history of humanity and and where God uh, allowed his son to come and be born and be God with us, Emmanuel God with us. It speaks to that whole expanse of time. But do you know it also speaks to at just the right time in your life. God knew when you needed a Savior. And he quickened you and he wokened you to this idea that his son was available for you to receive him. I've shared a little bit of my testimony before, but I I know it was true of me. 
17 years old, disappointed at the idea of my parents' relationship, broken and, and divorced. My friends, while I enjoyed my friends' relationships, I just didn't see connections to life. I didn't see value. Going to school, what, you know, I, I wasn't that great of a student, but I even thought beyond that, what does it matter if, if I grow, grow up and I get a job and I make money and what does it all serve? Where, where does it all go? At just the right time. God introduced me to his son, Jesus Christ. I had been around church before. I had sat into Sunday school classes. Maybe I should say I was drug along to Sunday school classes. Didn't have relevance, didn't seem to have a place for my life. And so God was continually, even at that point, reaching out to me. But at just the right time when he knew I was awakened I was looking for something to move me out of where I was at. God spoke to me. <laughs> spoke to me through the scriptures. Spoke to me through others who were, he put around me. And introduced me for the first time it seemed, even though I had heard about him before, introduced me to Jesus Christ. Said, this is your salvation. This is what you've been waiting for. And finally, I was at that point where the life that I was going to create for myself, the life that I was going to pursue on my own, it had become so distasteful in my mouth. The relationships hadn't really reached the point of significance that they had deep meaning. A girlfriend that I had didn't seem to love me enough to feel like it reached the deepest parts of my life that I could truly be known. My parents, while they loved me, had their own challenges in life, so I didn't feel connected in, in certain ways. I felt, again, alone in, in different ways. Whatever I could pursue in terms of academics or achievements, they seemed to come, but then pass away so quickly. Isn't that the story of everybody? <laughs> Isn't that the story of humanity? That we seek for things, we strive for things, we desire for things, we seek relationships that will fulfill us. We seek all these different things and we get them and we acquire them and we experience them and then we go, is that it? Is that all that it, that has? Is that all that that can provide? And, and please hear me, I'm not talking down relationships or achievements. I'm just saying they have an end in and of themselves. Because what we long for most of all is it's been said adequately so many times over, we have a God-shaped hole in our life. We have a, a spot in our life that only God can fulfill, can meet that deepest need of belonging and, and feeling a part of, of who we should connect with, and that's God's place in our life. There's a place for purpose, but our greatest purpose is to worship Him and to know Him. And so when we're not experiencing that, that hole remains, that on any achievement falls short because our greatest experience and, and accomplishment is to be in relationship with him. So Jesus didn't only arrive at the right time of human history. He arrived at the right time for you. If you've said yes to Christ, he knew where to intersect your life so that you could have a relationship with him. If you don't yet know Christ, today's the great day for you to say, yes, Lord, I hear that invitation to know you and to to experience relationship with you. And you'll have that opportunity at the end of the service to receive Jesus Christ.
But let me get back to our talk about day. When does the day start? How does the day start? Why is this significant anyway? How many of us struggle to go to bed at night because we know there's so many things weighing on our mind that's yet to be done? In fact, we wake up with the list already on our mind that I'm already behind and all I did was turn the alarm off. <laughs> and the day's already far ahead of me. How many of us are, are waking up even earlier and earlier just to try to catch up with the things that we have to do? How many of us stay awake at night thinking of a loved one? Maybe it's a, a child or a grandchild who doesn't have a relationship with God and we're concerned for them and the decisions they'll make. And it just keeps us up late at, late at night. How many of us are concerned about things that are going to happen tomorrow or the day after that and we just sit there restlessly and it just seems like a futile thing to go to sleep when there's so much that occupies our mind? Let me mention a couple things that maybe can help. Tonight, when you lay down to rest, you can rest deeply because God is starting the day for you. When you lay down to rest and you've given this day your best effort, know that tomorrow's starting, that God's already on it. Him who is able to accomplish far more in His ability than you could ever accomplish in your own. As you lay your head down to sleep, you can rest deeply those things aren't forgotten. Those things that concern you aren't waiting for you as you wake up. God's already addressing them. God's already acting and moving on your behalf to take care of things that, that would occupy your mind. They're not just left waiting for you to deal with. No, you can rest deeply tonight. You can sleep knowing that the God of the universe cares about what matters most to you. And He is already starting the day for you. He is already setting the table so that when you wake up, you can join Him in the day that He has prepared for you. You can join Him in the day, even the hard ones, knowing that He's made a way out of temptations before that temptation even comes. He has set the table so that there's not going to be a temptation that comes your way that there's just no way for you to get out of it. No. He's already preparing the way and He has prepared your way of escape out of that temptation so that you can stay in fellowship with Him. He's giving you strength. When you wake up, there's strength for the trials. He knows what difficulties you're going to face. And He's already set the table before you. And He's ready to nourish you and strengthen you by His Spirit for each of those trials and hardships you're going to face during that day. He has comfort. If you face grief in that day, He's already present, His Holy Spirit with you to bring comfort. He's not caught off guard by what you're going to experience. Remember, He's already started the day. He knew exactly what was coming your way. And He's setting you up to be able to experience that day in relationship with Him. He has blessings in store for you that you weren't even expecting. He has blessings laid out. and He's inviting you to come to the table and experience life with Him. Most importantly, at just the right time, He's giving you a Savior. He's giving you His Son, Jesus Christ. 
and the opportunity to have relationship with Him. And so when you wake up, you're not really starting the day with Jesus. You're starting your day, but God's already got it going. And so you're really, and I'm really just joining Him in what He's already laid out before us. So what, what do we do with this? What, what are some things that we can do in response? One, one, I would encourage you to express your trust and faith in Him. That as you go to rest tonight, and if there's things that are occupying your mind, I would encourage you just to take that moment, even if you do a morning devotion time, at that evening point, just sit before the Lord in quietness and solitude. Take a moment to be alone with Him and say, Lord, you know these things that didn't get accomplished in my day today. They're still out there. Lord, you know the things that occupy my mind and my, the concerns that I'm, I feel burdened with. And so, Lord, so that I could rest tonight, I surrender them to you. I know that my concerns, my cares matter to you. And so I want to give them to you, Lord, before I lay my head down to go to sleep so that I can totally surrender them and release them to you and allow you to work on them throughout the evening while I'm at rest. Lord, I give you these things that matter to me. One has expressed your trust and your praise to him that he's enough. I think about myself sometimes and the things that I express to God is it's, it's almost an accusation that God, you're, you haven't done enough to fix this problem. God, you haven't you haven't given me enough to work on this situation. <laughs> in fact, one time I, I remember in my time with the Lord and, and just thinking about how I'll give something over to God and then I'll take it back. <laughs> and then I give it over. God, this is yours. And then it's mine again. And I'm worried about it. And I'm stressing. And I'm trying to figure it out. And, and I, I think about the reason. And I was expressing that to God. And I, I just said, Lord, I just... I feel like it doesn't matter to you that, that you're not giving it enough attention. And, and he just lovingly just said, you know, if, if I handled your life in the way that you handled your life, you would charge me with malfeasance <laughs> and neglect. And I said, that's true. The way decisions I've made and the, the, the things that I've said and the the just knee-jerk reactions I've held. Lord, if you dealt with me in the same way that I've handled my life, Lord, I would never trust you. But Lord, you're not that way. And so, in as much as I can, as much as you can, express your trust that he's enough. Express that you believe that he's capable of doing and handling your life in such a way that you can rest and turn it over to him. And then lastly, tell him what cares you have and release them to him. My wife, Jerry, Jerry is so good at this. I, I'm, uh, I'm like the disciples, I think, sometimes where he says, are you being willfully ignorant and when it comes to turning things over to him? I will fret and I will be concerned and I'll talk out every scenario and this is what I do when I'm thinking, you know, I pace and and, uh, you know, the staff knows they'll see me in the atrium lobby out here during the week and I'm, you know, pacing or talking about something. And, and, uh, and so Jerry knows when something's on my mind, but we'll go on walks around the neighborhood and, and I'm talking about every scenario. I'm talking about something that has to work out. And, and she'll say, we should pray about that. We should. 
My response should be, I I have. I really, no, I already have. And and so, but how often does she say we should pray about that? And I think, you're right. I haven't so much as lifted a prayer to the Lord about this. I've thought of scenarios. I've thought of ways around it. I've thought of ways through it. I've thought of how how it's such a challenge to me. But Lord, did I think about to lift it to you? Did I think about to offer it to you and make it your concern and not just my concern? And so in our response this morning, I would encourage you just in those areas that as you rest tonight, you come before him and you just say, Lord, I know my day's ending, but yours is just starting. I trust you. I trust that you're at work tonight. And so I can rest deeply in your work and your activity. That it's not just semantics between what's a day and what's night and when the day starts. No, this, this acknowledges, Lord, that when my day is ending and I lay my head down, it's really just beginning because you're getting it started. That you're going to take over from here. That, Lord, I trust that you're enough. That you have the power, you have the wisdom, you have the ability, you have the resource to bring it all to bear for the things that concern me. And so, Lord, I trust your power and your authority in my life enough to be able to rest in you. And then lastly, just making sure that you and I share our concerns with him. Lord, this may not be a big thing in the scope of life and everything else that's happening. How many times do we say that? Well, Lord, it's not a big thing. It's not a big deal. Do you know that God doesn't run out of time. He doesn't run out of ideas. He doesn't run out of capacity. His ears, out of all the prayers that are offered, uh, you know, as, as opposed to the, the movie Bruce Almighty and different things, you know, God doesn't get confused. He doesn't get overwhelmed by all the things uh, uh, that go on in our lives. So the smallest thing to you, God delights in hearing about it from you. You know why? It's not about the thing. He just delights that you would commune with him and you would talk to him about your day. He loves you that much. Just as much as he would be in the room with you. He just loves to hear what's on your heart. And when you can share that with him, when I share that, it releases that burden and it releases my life to be able to say, I can rest because God is on the throne and I'm not. I can rest because God is at work even when I'm not. I can rest because God has an answer even when I don't. When when my resources are depleted, when my thinking is exhausted, God is not even tapped into the slightest bit of His own. He has so much more to give to it. The question is, will I take advantage of that? Will you take advantage of that? And allow yourself to slip into that and receive the rest of God, the peace of God that says it begins with Him It doesn't begin with me. It doesn't begin with you. He's the initiator. You're the responder. He's the one who sets the table. You're a guest that just pulls pulls your chair up to him. Well, as the worship team comes, I want to finish with this little brief uh, moment of understanding I had about this. I I had a habit of driving my car and making uh, my drive to work part of my prayer time. And... uh, and this is when I was working at a, a large uh, organization in Kansas City. 
And I, I would hit a certain point in my drive, and, and it was just kind of a reminder to me that that's when I would start my prayer time, uh, my, my driving prayer time. And uh, I had this habit of, of telling the Lord, Lord, I just invite you today to, to, to lead my steps. Lord, I invite you uh, today to, to direct whatever it is that you want to do. And do you know, it wasn't that the Lord, I, he, didn't, he didn't give me a word of correction about it. It was just kind of this light bulb went off around this very thing. And I thought, well, that's kind of arrogant of me, inviting God into my day. I thought, while it sounds like a good thing, Lord, I invite you. I said, Lord, you've already been in this. Lord, I thank you for, I just started turning my prayer. Lord, I thank you for inviting me into this day. Lord, open my eyes to what you have laid out before me. I want to join you in whatever it is that you have already started, God. Thank you that your work is going and you're already accomplishing things. You're working in people's lives. You're working in my job and you're setting up responsibilities for me. God, thank you that you've already put this ahead of me and that you are allowing me to join, it, uh, join with you in it. Would you join me in standing? And as you do... <clears throat> It's my prayer that as we think about this Savior being born unto us, that God was setting the table for you and I. At just the right moment when we needed the Savior, God brought His Son, Jesus Christ. We weren't the initiators. God was the initiator. My prayer is that in our response time now this morning, we have communion on the left and on the right. If you want to take the bread and dip it in there, our communion table is open to Anyone who professes faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you can receive communion. So I want to open that up to you. Also, our prayer team is in the back. We have a, a prayer room in the back with people who would love to pray with you, pray for healing in your life. If you have physical or emotional healing that uh, you just believe God wants to, uh, if, if you're just feeling encouraged to receive prayer, they would love to pray, uh, pray with you. And if, if you're in a place where you just have been finding it hard to find rest. The things that burden your mind and burden your soul, and, and it just has weighed you down. My encouragement to you is that today would be a day of rest for you, of truly being able to roll that over to God and just say, Lord, why am I carrying these things? They matter more to you. So I want to roll it over to you, Jesus. And tonight, when I go to sleep, Lord, for the first night, and you would just declare it before God, for the first time in a long time, I'm going to sleep so good. I'm just going to sleep so deeply and restful knowing that you are on the throne and you are working on my behalf, that my worries aren't neglected, that God, you care about them and you're going to take care of them. And then if you're here this morning, I mentioned before, if you have not yet made a decision for Jesus Christ, that's the first step of you having a relationship with God the Father is through Jesus Christ. And so it's important that you disciple, but before you can be a disciple and a follower of Jesus, you have to say, yes, Lord, I receive the gift of salvation through Christ, the forgiveness of sins that Jesus Christ brings. And so if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you. God has set the table before you. He has brought his son, Jesus, to bring salvation to you, forgiveness and meaning and purpose to your life. And so today's the day, today's the best day for you to say yes to Jesus Christ and begin to follow him and know him. So if you want to do that, I would encourage you during this time where our worship team is going to play, you just go back to our prayer room 
And they'll pray with you. They'll, they'll agree with you to accept Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior. And they'll also give you a great resource free. There's no cost to it. It's called Start to Follow. And it's a good way for you to get started in your relationship with Christ. Know the first steps uh, that you need to take in, in your relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity just to receive from you the rest that you've given to us. Father, I know so often we strive and we overthink it and we overwork it and we overplan it and we, we consume so much time and, and energy, Lord, on what we're doing and what we're accomplishing. And then we finally ask you into it and we ask you to, to work and to give us understanding. Lord, I pray that you would just flip that on its head and give us a different approach, Lord, that we would awaken every morning that we wake up, we would recognize you've already been at work. And we just simply say, Lord, Father, what is it you've been working on? How can, how can I join you in the day that you've already started? And when it comes evening time that we just say, Lord, the things that concern me, I can leave them peacefully and confidently in your hands. And I can rest tonight. I can be at peace tonight knowing that you care about them and you're going to be at work while I'm at rest. We thank you, Father. Help us to respond now. Give us faith. Give us the strength to trust you more as we have this response time of worship, of communion and prayer. We give it to you. Amen.